Section thirty nine of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section thirty nine A Clue at Last. I feel very much, thought Earl, as though I had been dreaming in one of the fairy circles. That proud, fair woman with such a story, and she, Doris's mother. Doris, my golden-haired love, whom I have been loving, believing her to be some helpless waif or stray. Doris belonging to the Studleys and the proud Duke of Downsbury. What will she say? Great heavens, what will she say when she learns this? Then the task before him might well have dismayed a braver man. He had to find her. The whole world lay before him, and he had to search all over it. Was she in Italy, Spain, or France, or had she gone even further away? He thought of the proud lady's words, Love has keen instincts. You will find her because you love her. He would certainly do his best, nor would he delay. That day should see the commencement of his labour. Then he began to think. Surely an ignorant, inexperienced girl could not have left home, have found herself a situation as governess without someone to help her. Who would that someone be? One of her old schoolfellows? She had made no more recent acquaintances. He bethought himself of Mattie, always so quick, so bright, so intelligent, so ready to solve all difficulties. He would go to her. He went, and Mattie wondered at the unusual gravity of his face. "'I have been thinking of Doris,' he said, in answer to her mute, reproachful glance. "'I wonder, Earl,' she said, "'when will you think of anything else?' "'I want to ask you something, Mattie. "'Sit down here. Spare me two or three minutes. "'Tell me, has it ever seemed to you that someone must have helped Doris, "'or she could not have found a situation as she did?' "'For one moment the kindly brown eyes rested with a troubled glance on his face.' "'It has occurred to me often,' she replied, "'but I cannot imagine who would do it.' "'Did she ever talk to you about any of her schoolfellows?' he asked. "'No, none in particular. Why, Earl, tell me what you were thinking about.' "'I should have some clue as to her whereabouts. I am convinced, if I could but discover that.' She looked steadily at him. "'Earl,' she asked in a low, pained voice, "'are you still thinking of going in search of her?' He remembered the morning's interview, and would have felt some little relief if he could have shared the secret with Mattie, but he said, "'Yes, I am still determined, and, to tell you a secret that I do not intend telling anyone else, I intend to go this very day.' He saw her lips whiten and quiver as though from some sudden sharp pain, but it never struck him that this quiet, kindly girl had enshrined him in her heart of hearts. She was quicker of instinct when any wish of his was in question than at any other time. Suddenly she raised her eyes to his face, and he saw in them the dawn of a new idea. "'There is one person,' she said, "'whom we have quite overlooked, and who is very likely to have helped Doris.' "'Who is that?' he asked quickly. "'The artist, Gregory Leslie.' And they looked at each other in silence, each feeling sure that the right chord had been struck. Then Earl said gravely, "'Strange, but I never once thought of him.' "'Doris talked so much to him while he was here,' said Mattie, "'and from his half-bantering remarks I think he understood thoroughly "'how much she disliked the monotony of home. "'He has very probably found the situation for her.' "'I should think so too, but for one thing. "'He was an honourable man, and he would not have helped her run away from me.' "'Perhaps she deceived him. "'In any case, I think it worth trying,' she replied.' 
"'Heaven bless you, Matty,' said Earl. "'You are always right. "'Do not tell anyone where I have gone. "'I shall go to London at once. "'I will send a note to my mother by one of the men. "'Good-bye. "'Heaven bless you, my dear sister, who was to have been. "'Who will be?' cried Matty. "'Whether you marry Doris or not.' He wrote a few simple words to his mother, saying merely, "'Do not be alarmed at my absence. "'I cannot rest. "'I have gone to find Doris. "'I shall write often and return when I have found her.' "'Poor mother,' he said to himself with a sigh, "'I have given her nothing but sorrow of late.' Then he went quietly to Brinkton Railway Station, and was just in time to catch the train for London. Gregory Leslie was astonished that evening at seeing Earl enter his studio, and held out a hand to him in warmest welcome. Earl looked first at the artist, then at his hand. "'Can I take it?' he asked. "'Is it a loyal hand?' Gregory Leslie laughed aloud. "'Bless the boy, the poet, I ought to say. What does he mean?' "'I mean, in all simplicity, just what I say,' said Earl. "'Is it the hand of a loyal man?' "'I have never been anything save loyal to you,' replied the artist, wondering more and more at Earl's strange manner. "'I shall understand you better in a short time,' he said. "'How ill you look! Your face is quite changed.' "'I have been ill for some weeks,' said Earl. "'I am well now.' "'And how are they all at Brackenside? "'The honest farmer and his kindly wife, "'bright intelligent Miss Matty, "'and last, though by no means least, "'my lovely model, Miss Innocence?' "'They are all well at Brackenside,' said Earl evasively. "'But the artist looked keenly at him, "'and from the tone of his voice "'he felt sure that all was not well. "'Then Earl sat down, and there was a few minutes' silence. "'At length he roused himself with a sigh. "'Mr. Leslie,' he said, when you were leaving Brackenside, you called me friend, and said that you would do anything to help me. I have come to prove if your words are true. I am sure they are, replied Mr. Leslie, as he looked pityingly on the worn, haggard face. You may prove them in any way you will. Then he smiled. Has Miss Innocence been unkind to you, that you look so dull? That does not sound as though he knew anything about her going, thought Earl, and if he does not, I am indeed at sea." Then he looked at the artist. It was an honest face, although the lips curled satirically, and there was a gleam of mischief in the keen eyes. "'Is it a lover's quarrel, Earl?' he asked. "'No, it is more than that,' replied Earl. "'Tell me, Mr. Leslie, has Doris written to you since you left Brackenside?' An expression of blank wonder came into the artist's face. "'Yes,' he replied. "'She wrote to me twice. Each time it was to thank me for papers and critics that I had sent her.' "'Is that all?' said Earl. "'That is all, indeed. I did not preserve the letters. I have a fatal habit of making pipe-lights of them.' "'Did she tell you in those letters that she was tired of Brackenside, Mr. Leslie?' "'No. They were both written in excellent spirits, I thought. I do not remember that there was any mention of home or any one, in fact. I am sure there was not.' "'Did she ask you to help her find a situation?' said Earl. "'No. Indeed she never did.' At Brackenside she pretended often enough to be tired of the place, and want to go elsewhere, but I never paid any serious attention to it. You see, Earl, if you will love a woman who has all the beauty of a rainbow, you must be content to abide by all her caprices. I am sure she has done something to pain you. Earl, tell me what it is. I will tell you, said Earl. At first I thought that you had helped her, but now I believe I am mistaken. She has left home unknown to any of us. She has gone abroad as governess. Gregory Leslie gave a little start of incredulity and surprise. "'Gone abroad,' he repeated. "'I can believe that easily. "'But as governess, I can never imagine that.' 
"'She says so. She left two letters, and they both tell the same story.' "'If I should believe it,' said Gregory Leslie, "'I should most certainly say, "'Heaven help the children taught by the fair Doris. "'Candidly speaking, I should not like to be one of them.' "'You do not believe it, then, Mr. Leslie?' "'If you will have me speak frankly, I do not. "'Of all the young ladies I have ever met, "'I think her the least likely to become a governess. "'By choice, that is.' "'Earl looked at him blankly. "'It had never entered his mind to disbelieve what she had written. "'That threw a fresh light upon the matter.' "'Tell me about it,' the artist said, after a few minutes. And Earl did as he was requested. Gregory Leslie listened in silence. "'I know nothing about it,' he said, after a time. "'It is quite natural that you should imagine that I did, but I do not. "'She has never mentioned it to me. "'I understand now what you meant by being loyal. "'Let me say that, for your sake, "'if she had asked me to help her in any such a scheme, "'I should have refused. "'I believe it. "'There is one thing,' said Earl, "'I have sworn to find her, and find her I will. "'Can you suggest to me any feasible or sensible plan of search?' "'He uttered a little cry of amaze, "'for Gregory Leslie was looking at him with a startled expression in his face. "'Strange,' he said. "'I have only just thought of it. "'You remember my picture of innocence?' "'Yes,' said Earl. "'Well, there was a great deal of jealousy among my comrades over that face. "'They all wanted to know where I had found it, "'who was my model, where she lived.' One wanted just a face for his grand picture of Juliet, another thought it the very thing for his Marie Antoinette, in the zenith of her glory and beauty. Another declared that if he could but paint it as Cleopatra, his fortune would be made. Of course I would not, and did not dream for one moment of gratifying their curiosity. Perhaps the most curious among them was Ross Glynlyn. He prayed me to tell him, and was offended when I refused." Now I remember that a few days ago he called upon me in a state of great triumph. He had just returned from Italy. I have found your model, he said. You need not have been so precise. I thought no good would come of such secrecy. What model do you mean? I asked. Your model of innocence. I have seen the very face you copied, he replied. Indeed, where did you see it? In Italy, in a picture gallery at Florence, she is incomparably beautiful, but how on earth you manage to induce her to sit for her portrait I cannot imagine. They say she is the most exclusive lady in Florence. Indeed, I said gravely. It is true, I saw her twice, once in the gallery and once in the carriage with her husband. Then I laughed aloud. My dear Ross, I said, I have let you wander on because you have told me such a strange story. It seemed quite sad to interrupt you. You are perfectly wrong. To begin with, the young lady whose face I copied is young and unmarried. In the second place, I can answer for it, she has never been near Italy. She is, I know for certain, preparing to marry a gentleman with whom I am well acquainted. He looked sullen and unconvinced. You may say what you will, he retorted. I swear it was the same face. And I swear that it was not, I replied. So the matter ended. "'But, Earl, could it be that Ross Glynlyn spoke the truth, and she is in Florence?' "'But he said the lady was married,' said Earl. "'That might be a mistake. "'It seems to me a clue worth following up.' "'And Earl thought the same.' End of section 39